I'm Catherine Arndt, the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. Welcome to today's episode, brought to you by the VLGA, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hi and welcome back to VLGA Connect. It's time for another in our very popular local leaders series and we're going to spend a few minutes getting to know the CEO of Glen Iris City Council just a little bit better today, Rebecca McKenzie. Lovely to see you and welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Lovely to be here. You've been the CEO there at Glen Ira since uh, 2016, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, the years yep. are adding up, aren't they? So how um, how are things going at Glen Ira these days? No, you're right, Chris. Um, it's been about just over nearly seven and a half years, which is a very long time for any CEO these days, but actually particularly a long time for me. Yeah. Um, but no, look, um, I guess that bodes as to why, I'm, you know, how things are going. Things are going really well. Um, I'm very fortunate. Um, I've got a great council, good good um, staffing group and a, and a great community as well. So um, you don't often get the trifecta. No, no, very, very true. So uh, th- things are obviously going well. I want to talk a bit about a couple of things uh, that are current there just, just shortly. But what yeah. we do like to do on this, uh, this, this program is find out a little bit more about you and your background. And uh, I'm not sure if you and I have ever had the conversation about how you came to be a local government CEO. Was it always part of the plan? <laughs> um, I often say, Chris, that I'm not sure that anybody goes and has a chat with their high school guidance counsellor and says, hmm, the thing that yeah. I really aspire to be is a local government CEO. Um, but um, no, I'm a bit of an accidental CEO, really. Um, I came back to, I'd been living and working abroad um, in the UK and in Ireland. And when I came back to Australia, it was around the time of the global financial crisis. Mm. And um, I applied for a job at Yarra Rangers Council and happened to get it. And, and then, you know, not long, I was their director of corp services and not long. So was, was that a first local government role for you or were you in local government in the UK? Well, I'd worked for local government in the UK. I worked for Swindon Borough Council oh. um, for five years. Um, and But councils are a bit different over there. Yeah. Um, you know, we think that we've got it. We've got it tough here with, um, you know, nine councillors, for example, over there. There, mm-hmm. you know, there was like fifty-nine councillors and a cabinet and a backbench and all of those sorts of things. So it's a really different model. But it was enough to give me a taste as to what local governance um, was all about. And I'd worked for the state government in Queensland before going overseas. So, um, you know, I had a public sector, public purpose. Um, background, but mm. HR is my profession, so I think I'm one of the only um, CEOs in certainly in Victoria with a HR background. But um, I was doing corporate services at Yarra Rangers, and then um, I was at a bit of a career crisis and thinking, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to go into general management and stay in that, or do I want to move out and go into a much larger organisation and follow my kind of profession of HR? And um, I did the LG Pro XLP program. And um, I think that was a bit of a turning point for me of thinking, actually, maybe I can do it. And then I got some great encouragement from my CEO at the time, Glenn Patterson, who has, um, I think Glenn's stable of directors has done pretty well in terms yes. of transitioning to CEOs. So yes. um, good on you, Glenn. And um, I ended up as the CEO up at Mitchell Shire and the rest is history. And uh, I'd forgotten that XLP link. Uh, and then ultimately you were, were you not president of LG Pro for a time? 
I was, yeah, I was on the board of LG Pro for six years and president and vice president, I think, for um, about four of those six years. So um, it was a really great time for me. I really loved, yeah, the reason that I joined LG Pro in the first place was because I'd come to the sector without necessarily having a great network. I hadn't grown up in the local government sector in Victoria. And so I needed to build my networks, build my knowledge and understanding of the sector. Um, build my reputation and so joining LG Pro and then getting onto the LG Pro board was a really important part of that. Um, you mentioned having that HR background and it is unusual if we did a, an exercise looking at the backgrounds of all the CEOs at councils around the state there'd be a lot of potentially engineers and finance etc et, et maybe some planning not so much that HR and organisation development space. Um, what is the upshot of that, do you think? Does it make it any different for you with that HR background as a CEO than it would for someone who hasn't come from that stream? You know, I like to think yes. Um, it certainly permeates my approach. And it was probably one of the things that helped me to secure the first CEO job that I got, which was at, at Mitchellshire. Because mm. um, when I went there... Yeah, I was the seventh CEO in a five-year period of time. So, you know, the organisation, the councillor group, et cetera, was in a bit of a real state of flux and, and relationship management and, and leadership was actually what they needed. And, and so the, um, count, you know, a number of the councillors at the time, um, fortunately for me, saw that that was what they needed. And so that was why I was their successful candidate. And... Um, from there, then, I was able to establish my kind of profile reputation success and use that to then um, leverage into Glenara, where I am now. Um, you're also the chair of Zoos Victoria, and I was interested to, to get your sense of how much of a challenge is that to balance a, a role like that that's so different to being a council CEO, given we know how all-consuming a council CEO role can be? I think it's good to have another string to your bow. And certainly at my stage of my career, you know, I'm looking to, you know, what my longer term will be. And certainly a portfolio career is part of that. Mm. But I actually think, you know, zoos aren't that different to local government. You know, they still have people, they still have properties, they still have, you know, health and safety, finance, governance issues, all of that sort of stuff. It's just they have lions and tigers and bears. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I think it's, it's great to see things from another perspective and certainly being the chair of a public sector organisation, you do get the opportunity to kind of pivot your um, leadership and governance experience and to put it through a different lens. And, and, you know, I really love that about the opportunity that I have with Zoos Victoria and I've you know, been on the board there now for um, three, five years, and I've been the chair for two years. And, um, you know, it just feels like a nice thing to add to the portfolio. And I'm very fortunate. I have a great team behind me at um, Glenara City Council, and the councillors are very supportive um, of me, you know, stretching myself and, and doing those things. Ultimately, at the end of the day, always council comes first if there's a conflict between the two, but um, there never has been. And um, it's been great. Do you find there are experiences or skills that are transferable or translatable that help you with one or the the other? Yeah, certainly, um, you know, certainly political advocacy, relationship and stakeholder management, um, you know, oversight of finance, finances and corporate planning and mm. all of those sorts of things. 
Um, but also when you're the chair of the board, you're also the leader of the team. Um, so it's very much about how you create that sense of cohesion amongst the board members, particularly when, you know, they're only coming together, you know, maybe 10 times a year and but needing to provide good, strong leadership um, to the organisation. Um, but also understanding that relationship and how important it is to have that good relationship between the CEO and the senior executive team and the chair of the board and the yeah. and the board itself and navigating those relationships. You've got to have great respect for the different role and purpose. There's so many things I'd like to ask you about, Rebecca, in the time that we've got, um, and, and a couple of serious ones that I'll come to. But I did note, uh, just as we've recorded this, you've, you've announced that you're in the top percent of the most aligned and engaged council staff. And already some other CEOs have said to me, uh, where Glen Ira is, is where we're aiming to be. You, you must be so chuffed with that result. Tell me what that really means for you. Yeah, look, we are. We're, we're delighted. And particularly when it's such a tough employment market at the moment. So, you know, the opportunity to do some unashamed, you know, um, promotion of what a great place Glen Ira is, um, is really valuable. Um, but, you know, we've had to work at that. Um, certainly, you know, across those seven years when I went to Glenara, Glenara was a really great organisation. It was a very good organisation, but it was a very managed organisation. And so we've done a lot of work around how we, um, you know, build culture, about how we empower people, investment in professional development, investment in communications and engagement and all of those things. Um, and it's paid dividends. So, um, yeah, we're delighted. So so where do you take that from here? Well, that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. There's, always, there's always more that you can do. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, some of the things that our staff were telling us was that, you know, we can still do more around technology and we can still do more around making sure that our sort of PDP processes and things like that work really well for people. Um, so it's about continuing to, to build from that. But it's also, um, you know, just about involving people in the journey and making sure that, that their voice is being heard. You know, quite often we do these surveys and things like that and then, you know, it comes around two years later and you do another survey and people go, well, you know, you asked us two years ago and you haven't necessarily done anything with it. So it's about keeping that communication yeah. going too. We hear from people right across the sector that councils are carrying large numbers of vacancies at the moment. It's not just local government. Um, recruitment at the senior levels is a particular challenge. How important is a result like this for you to be able to recruit people? And, and what does that situation look like for you at the moment? Yeah, look, you know, we're experiencing challenges as well, um, particularly in some of those really hard to recruit um, professions, you know, building surveyors and, um, you know, project managers and things like that. Mm. So, you know, I think everything that you can do to, you know, as a leader of an organisation, everything that you can do to positively promote your organisation, particularly from the experience of the staff who work there, I think, you know, if they're compare, if candidates have choice these days, they've got wonderful choice. And so if you take the issue of geography out, because we know people will sometimes choose places that are close to close to home and those sorts of things. If you mm. take that out, then, you know, what's the difference for somebody between choosing to come and work at Glen Ira versus going to Port Phillip or Stoddington or Bayside or that sort of stuff? All great councils, 
but what's the difference? Yeah. And I think for Glen Ira, the difference is our culture, and that's certainly what staff tell me. You talked a bit about your experience in the UK, and we it seems every week we're hearing a story about how a UK council is in serious financial strife. Mm-hmm. Here in Victoria and Australia more broadly, a lot of people, your mayor included, have been quite vocal about a need for some fundamental change to the way the sector operates financially. There's 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 issues with the model. What's your take on that and how far are, are, are we away from seeing the sorts of things that are happening in the UK? Well, I think that there are there are similarities and differences with the model in the UK. Um, and, you know, I think we need to put it in context that councils in the UK um, run a whole range of different services that councils mm. in Australia don't necessarily run. Um, but that being said, there are, you know, we, we see things that happen in the UK then get followed here. So, for example, when I was in the UK, there was a really big focus around, you know, sort of performance measurement and setting KPIs and all of that sort of stuff. You know, a lot of that then followed um, in some of the Australian models. The whole best value thing came out of the UK, didn't it, that we had here some time back, yeah? Yeah, it did. And, you know, certainly when I went to Swindon Council, they were, I think, the second worst performing council in the UK. And, Mm. you know, was really fortunate to be there through that some of that period of, of significant transformation. And then I saw a number of those kind of themes arising when I came um, in back to local government here in here in Victoria. Um, but look, you know, they're quite horror stories in terms of you know billions of pounds in yeah. in debt and things like that. I, I think that the government would step in here um, and put a council into administration potentially um, earlier than some of the issues over there. But but they're seeing a model now um, where they, they're having, you know, the equivalent of monitors and um, administrators and things like that put in place. So mm. in many ways, that's an emerging theme over there that perhaps, you know, some of the Australian councils have been a little bit ahead of. Yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought of it like that. Their administrators so far being brought in or commissioners have been because of financial failures, whereas we've really only seen them here because of governance failures to date, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. So so how is the the financial challenge currently being experienced by all councils with cost of living and rising prices, etc.? How is that manifesting for you at Glen Ira? Have you had to make some tough budgeting decisions? Yeah, look, we're in a we're in a real sort of challenging situation at the moment because we are the council that generates the lowest amount of rates per um, assessment in all of Victoria. So if you look at all of the benchmarking figures, because we've always had low rates, we've kept our, our rates low. Um, and then of course rate capping came in and they stayed low. Um, yes. So in many ways, as the councillors say, we're victims of our own success. Um, of the, and you, again, if you look at the benchmarking data that we've done, um, we're a very efficient council as well. So our cost of, cost of service is, is quite low. 
But the combination of all of those things and then when you overlay the challenges of COVID, we had really big hit to our income streams during, during COVID. Also, we're the only council in Victoria that runs a residential aged care, so a nursing home. So we ran a nursing three nursing homes through COVID and the impact of that was significant um, in terms of the impact on our bottom line. We had nobody die on our watch, which was great, but it cost us $8 million that might not mm normally cost us um, and then like everyone we're seeing all of our capital works projects coming in you know 20 to 30 percent over um, what we'd anticipated um, all of our costs to service are going up insurances etc I'm not telling anybody anything new and I think previously prior to COVID people thought that local government sort of financial challenges were just about potentially rural and regional councils but I think what COVID has done is really demonstrated that actually it's a sector-based issue. Mm. So what Glen Ira is calling for is to say, you know, this model of local government, it served us pretty well until this major disruption, but perhaps there's an opportunity for us to sort of, how, how do we look at it differently? How do we make sure that we're all financially sustainable? The sector is financially sustainable for the long term. And how do we make sure that local government is in the steering, you know, in the driving seat mm. for that, mm. rather than waiting for the state government to do something to us? So um, uh, in New South Wales, you might be aware they're developing an independent review of the financial model of the local government sector, which I'm sure uh, we'll all be keeping a close eye on to see what sort of insights we gain from that. Um, two more perhaps quick questions in the time we've got, Rebecca. You've always been a very strong advocate for moving the dial on gender equity in the sector. Uh, very recently, we've had the top of the two biggest councils in the state appoint female CEOs on an ongoing basis. That's got to be a couple of big ticks for you. Do you know where that, that number is at now, the ratio? Yeah, look, um, Chris, I have to say I'm delighted. Um, it was delighted about um, Alison and, and Ali's appointments. So a big shout out to them if they're watching this, this, um, this clip. Yep. Um, I think we're at 27 um, out of 79. So we've still got a little way to go, Chris, before we get to 50-50. But um, if I was to reflect back to when I first became a CEO 10 years ago, I think I was one of 13. So mm. we have made progress. Um, but I was talking about this very issue with actually Natalie Hutchins, um, who's Minister for Women, um, yeah. just this week, actually, and um, checking in on where her thoughts were at in terms of the Gender Equality Advisory Committee and where, you know, the progress of that and how we might put a bit of a rocket under some of the work that that's, you know, mm. potential to influence. Stay tuned. Uh, seven and a half years, if you said, nearly eight years as CEO at Glen Ira. Is there a use-by date on CEOs at the same council, do you think? Yeah, look, I think there is. Yeah, good question. I think there is. Um, and But it will vary depending upon the individual and the council and what the council is dealing with and all of those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, I like to say I've, I've got a contract that sees me out through this elected council um, and we'll see what the, what the next council wants. Regardless of whether it's this council, how long do you see yourself uh, doing this type of work? Because I have heard you say it's one of the best jobs that you can have. Um, I'm assuming you're not likely to give it up anytime soon, or, or are you thinking about the next phase? 
Oh, look, Chris, I think, um, I think the local government sector is addictive. Um, I do think that the role of CEO is a tiring one over time um, and it does take a lot out of it. You've been there. You know what it's like. Yep. Um, you're all things to all people. Um, yep. And, you know, so I think that, you know, my future probably I'm hoping that I'll be able to continue to find things that give me joy. Um, and that'll probably still be involved, be about being involved in the sector in some way. I, I would certainly hope that's the case, and, uh, uh, and and we could still have some some interactions over the coming years. Thank you, Rebecca, for joining us on Local Leaders. That's been a great conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Rebecca McKenzie is the CEO at Glen Ira City Council, our guest on Local Leaders today from VLGA Connect. Mm-hmm.